1: and welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I'm joined by Dustin Ragusa. Coming off a crazy week in basketball, Dustin, I, I know you didn't get up to Bedlam, but uh, it was a great time, I can say for myself and, and the people that were there. We had a great time. How, how have you been this week? Uh, I've been great. How was the I don't think I've been to an 11 a.m. game in Stillwater. I don't know. Big if ever, but- fan of the 11 a.m. tip off. And I said it before <laughs> the game. I'll say it after and I'll say it before the next one. The 11 a.m. tip and a lot of people were all, you know, uh, bunched up about it. If you have kids and your kids are going to the game, the 11 a.m. tip is the best tip because y- you got to factor in nap time. You got to factor in lunch like we were able to get all of that in. Based on this tip-off time, and the crowd was great. I thought it wasn't full, but it was it was loud. So a, a great atmosphere for sure. No, that that makes it and sense. and breakfast beers. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. Are you familiar? Oh, They're yes. really yeah, good. Hey, yeah, speaking I, of, I I found I the hottest eleven a.m. game though, that I've been to. And yeah, I don't think. uh outside of football I think that was the first 11 a.m basketball game I've ever been to for sure Mm -hmm. um but I did find the hottest place in Oklahoma on on Saturday uh it is the beer line in Gallagher Arena right in front of those windows where the sun comes in I mean it was like 10 (laughs) degrees outside but right there I mean I'm telling you dude it was 115 degrees I thought (laughs) I was gonna pass out and I'm like am I gonna take my hoodie off right here in in this beer line I almost Uh did I'm glad you fought through it though. And were able to get back to your seat and cheer on the couch. Yeah. Well, I've, I fought through it by standing in the beer line. You think I'm getting out of the beer line? All right. No, <laughs> Enough it. of that. Well, it was a fun weekend basketball. I mean, three really entertaining games. We're not going to talk about the K-State one. That was just a, a, a big old kick, but I think Bedlam definitely worth talking about. Um, you know, we've already met the atmosphere was fantastic. If you were there, if you weren't there, it sounded great on TV as I went back and looked, but, uh, I I thought that was Oklahoma State's most complete game uh, in conference play. I I think just based on the quality of the opponent, which you know is a little bit of an oxymoron because OU is not all that good, but they've got some talent, they've got some skill. Um, I thought that was Oklahoma State clearly their their most complete performance uh, this conference season. What about you? Yeah, I don't know if I can argue with that with that take and snapping a four game losing streak. Yep. Get the Bedlam win at home. We get to see our guy, Caleb Boone. Yes. What did he get? 17 minutes, 12 points, four, 10 from the field, four or five from the free throw line with five rebounds. They were going to him inside, which is something you and I have talked about that he's really the only big guy. You can kind of just stop your half court offense, feed him in the post and let him go to work. And when he wasn't, he missed a couple that I thought he should have made, but he was able to get to the free throw line. Like I mentioned, and when Mike Boynton was asked after the game, he just said, Caleb's been playing with more joy. So, it looked like it, right? So if you, if you, have, if you have a little joy at practice, Michael puts put you in. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Um, he was fantastic. And really, I thought, helped the half-court offense do anything. I, OU played some very physical defense in the half-court. They were pushing everybody out out to the perimeter, like they were picking up Isaac likely and Avery Anderson, four to five steps beyond the three point line, making things really hard on them. Uh, And, and, you know, it led to some several turnovers in the first half, but Caleb Boone coming in and making his presence felt in the interior. We saw it a lot last year when things would slog down, he would be the guy that they would go through and Tanner Groves, you know, I know Caleb only had 12, but Tanner Groves really couldn't handle him. I mean, it was like, if if much like we couldn't handle groves once the ball got to caleb boone it was it was a done deal it was either going to be a score or a foul when it got late in that game um and i thought it was great execution from the team and great on the coaching staff to say we're running through caleb regardless of how the season's gone for him this is what we're doing and i I love that they did it that way so do i and Okay, pointing that out, he had the highest usage percentage on the team, 20.1%. That Shoot. has to be the first time all season a non-guard has I, had the highest I was usage just usage thinking that. What's season. the highest usage rate for Caleb Boone in his career would be my, my, my follow-up question because that is that is high. And, and it wasn't just on the offensive end. So they have him at 8.2 net points. So what they do there is take your points produced minus your points allowed. And he had one of the better defensive ratings on the team. Solid efficiency uh rating as well all around good game for him and I, it was great to see that from him after you know we were kind of wondering why he wasn't playing Boynton gave us some reasons why he just wasn't you know looking happy at at practice he, he wasn't practicing well Tyreek was practicing better and Caleb even I saw an article on Pokes Report Caleb even came out and said you know he just had a little bit more fun he was having a little bit more fun at practice pre-game and he came out and just did his thing but he was a huge boost to the offense when you don't when you don't get much from Bryce Williams who's still you know he's still even in the even in the next game against TCU you can tell his ankle is just really bothering yeah. him you only get 9 from Anderson you get 0 from Ice who i know had 7 rebounds 6 assists and was a plus 13 but i think he had the lowest i wrote it down the lowest efficiency rating out of anyone who played more than 5 minutes and he had negative net points in 30 minutes. You can't you can't get that from Ice. He redeems himself in the TCU game which we'll get to, but if you're going to play 30 minutes, you can't put up zero points. You just can't do it. But the fact that he's plus 13 when putting up a goose egg is crazy. It's wild. It's wild. It's clear and it became clear to me over the last 3 games that like I don't know if they can win if he's not on the floor. Like he makes some really good big time moment plays. Like even last night against TCU, there was a, there was a moment late in that game. I mean, minute and a half ball starts bouncing around and he's the one to come up with the rebound. And then he goes and scores and it's like, okay, that's why you have to play him. And I know it can be a black hole on uh, when he's got the ball on the perimeter, but it's just those little heads up plays that mean so much. And then, I mean, when the box score shows seven rebounds, six assists, Zero points, but you're still plus thirteen. It's like I don't even. I didn't even know that was possible. That's that's got to be hard to do. Yes, if you have if you have more floor spacers, I think we're talking about ice being Mm. you know the key to this team's record. A true shooter somewhere that that could shoot. Yet to open up the lane a little bit because that's what he does, and he was able. That's why last season, you know, with Cade Cunningham taking a lot of the attention and Avery Anderson taking a lot of the attention. Ice is kind of able to do some other things. You know, we saw him kind of get open in the post on smaller guys. There were just more room for him to do what he does best. So we'll talk about it in the TCU game. But, again, going back to just this one, I know he was – I know he did a lot of stuff, but he – I just – not getting to the free throw line and zero points, you can't have that from him. And, like I said, he redeems himself later. But he did move up in this game and a tie for sixth all-time in assists at Oklahoma State. That's pretty impressive. You know who's really started to show up a little bit after you know after going AWOL for most of the season? Mr. Rondell Walker. He's he's played really, really well. And I know he only had five last night, but that's at, coming off of 11 points in Bedlam and 18 against Kansas State and seven against Florida. So clearly something's starting to click there for Rondell. Uh, it hit a huge three at the end of that game to really kind of... He looks confident in his shot. He's not taking a ton but it looks confident. Like he gets the ball. He doesn't take a dribble. He doesn't sidestep. He just fires it up. Well, and when he does dribble drive, he's as good as it gets on, on that. I mean, he is so fast and strong going downhill. Um, He he's tough to stop, but now that he's got, you know, what seems to be a confident jump shot. um, I love it. They need more of that. You know, last night against TCU, you saw Avery Anderson too. his jumper, you know, again, the, the name of the game this year has been consistency and being able to count on the same guy every night. And they just, like, Caleb Boone gives you 12 against, against OU and, and disappears against TCU. I know he had a great dunk, but uh, really didn't do much of anything. And then you look around at Avery Anderson, who had 34 against Iowa State, and, like, I think it was three the, the following game. So, nine yeah so then you have like nine points in a row yeah games as well. so it's just like the name of the game is consistency and really like the only person they're getting like guaranteed you know well i shouldn't say guaranteed but the one guy is bryce thompson right now i think that they can lean on and say when you need a bucket that's who you're going to and and he's been fantastic lately i thought Yeah, had a little bit of foul trouble in the Bedlam game. Wasn't able to play early. Yeah, three of three from the field. It was only able to play 17 minutes, but I completely agree with you. Something I wanted to ask you about, Cade, in this Bedlam game before we move on to TCU. What did you think about Tyreek Smith at the four spot? Well, Tyreek Smith is an animal. I mean, he is. I thought that was interesting. Boynton said after the game, they have not done that this year. At the four spot, I can see. Why? What OSU did more in this game than they've done in in, in most games, I mean, they they had Cissé and and Tyreek Smith. They had Caleb and Tyreek Smith. I think at one point, if I'm not mistaken, there was Cissé and Caleb Boone on the floor for like 30 seconds until one came (laughs) off. But like still, it was very clear. They were like, okay, we're going to punish OU on the interior because they have Tanner grows and that's about it. And he's not that fleet of foot. He's very skilled offensively, but defensively not, not all that great. And so it's very clear to me that they're like, okay, Tyreek Smith poses some matchup problems. And I don't think he did as much offensively as I thought he would, but defensively, man, he gave them some issues. I mean, he was flying in from, from out of the screen and blocking shots. He was unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was the game before you had Cissé, Smith, Moncrief, and Boone, I think combined for like two points in that K-State game. Yep. And then they come out and all, all of them performed pretty well in this one. Uh, aside from Moncrief, he didn't get get much minutes. But you had Cissé with 12. You had Caleb Boone with 12, who we already mentioned. then you had Tyreek Smith only with two points. But he's able to come out in those 10 minutes and just really bring some energy. And Boynton talked about exactly what you said. They weren't really scared of OU's bigs outside of Groves, and Tyreek was able to come in and do some things that really helped them on both sides of the ball. So I thought that was huge. Overall, it's just it's an odd game. You go back and look at the box score, and OU out-rebounded. OSU just barely got to their assist season average. They only had eight fast-break points, 34 points in the paint, but OU had 32 you shoot 33% from three, but Oh, you just shot so terribly from the field. Yep. And Oklahoma state was able to really bother them and then get some things going inside. So it, it's a, it was a big win. And honestly, I just wish they would have won the TCU game too, because Kate, I was ready to just blast you with some positivity. I'm already <laughs> doing it. We're already you, doing it, but. You are. And I'm thankful for it because I, I was too, you know, one thing I'll say, like in looking at OU, I mean, they, they have Tanner Groves and that's, that's really like it. Elijah Harkless can give you something, but I I was surprised at OU's lack of ability to score the basketball. Even, in, even on their down years with Long Kruger, they were a good scoring team. It was the defensive end that bit them, and it's almost the polar opposite with Porter Moser now. So, like, it's a good matchup for Oklahoma State, and I'm going to pick them when they play again in Norman. I'm still going to pick Oklahoma State because it's a bad matchup for OU. And, like, you asked me about Tyreek Smith at the four, but I'm I'm pretty sure in that lineup, at one point there was Caleb Boone, Tyreek Smith, Keelan Boone, and Isaac Likely with a Rondell or a Bryce Thompson at the five. That lineup is scary long. That would give most teams trouble. But a, a, a team like OU, where you've got Elijah Harkless, who's probably 6'4", six, 6'5", Emoja uh, Gibson, who's even smaller than that, they just—they're not a very big team, and I think that's what Oklahoma State really was able to kind of uh, give them issues with. I mean, Keelan had a great game, Caleb had a great game, all their long guards had great games. Yeah, I completely agree, and we we see kind of the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So well, we go. TCU's got some good guards. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, great game, great win, um, and you're right. You know, I that that you're right that you know you would have loved to see a win against TCU and and carry some momentum but I'll ask you this does the postseason ban not totally just drain any sort of like mystique from these games like even bedlam like that's what like throw that one out the window but a TCU game for example where you know in a normal year Oklahoma State's four and six in the big 12 it's like okay that's a must win game in a non-postseason band year. You go win that, and now you've got another quad one win. Like, things are looking real spicy for you. But it's just another game last night. Yeah, and I, I know it's obviously tough for the players. And just even as a fan watching on TV, not that anyone should care about the fans' feelings, but, you know, on the broadcast, they're talking about TCU. You know, they need to win this one. OU, they need to win this one. And it just hurts to hear because Oklahoma State, you know they want to win this one, but do yeah. they need to win it? That, yeah, you know, yeah, it's not weird. Lot, there's not a lot. To I never want to do this season. again. I never want yes. to do this again. I completely agree. But but you're right, and it's tough. I'm sure it's tough for these guys to kind of build any momentum game to game. You know, what are they? What are they building up to besides just kind of finishing the season on a high note? You beat OU. You come out and play a TCU game. Who's able to kind of just dogfight with you the whole time? And it's just got to be tough on morale to kind of. especially for Coach Boyden to get these guys going, but he talks about it after the TCU game. I was watching the video Marshall Scott posted from PFB about it's on him to get these guys motivated and everything. But I bet it's – I honestly bet that's really, really tough this season. Yeah, I I think it would be. And, like, I mean, you look at TCU, I I think let's just get into it. They – I said this about Iowa State, that Iowa State's guards, you know, it's three to four deep and they can all give you 20. Well, TCU did that too, um, with Elijah Miller, Chuck O'Bannon, Damian Ball, and Eddie Lampkin. I know that Lampkin's a uh, post player, but still, you know, you've got 16 points from Elijah Miller, 19 from Chuck O'Bannon, 10 from Lampkin, and 15 from Damian Ball. And and you know, two of Damian Ball's 15 was absolutely ridiculous circus runner from a step inside the three point line that doesn't hit Rim. It's just like, okay. It's just one of those nights. And it seems like Oklahoma State's had one of those nights just about every couple of weeks. And the last one came against Iowa State, where it's like, well, other teams just shooting really well and they're hitting tough shots. Yeah. This one, it was just, it was tough to watch because Oklahoma State wasn't terrible.
0: On not at offensive all. End.
1: I thought they had a good get at it. 35%. From 49% three, from the field. 49% from the field. They get 44 points in the paint. Over, they get 11 fast break points, 17 from the bench. It's TCU, though, wins the rebounding battle, 37-24. And Oklahoma State's defense overall just was not very good. They didn't guard on the ball very well the team defense was poor the help defense they were just seemed out of position everywhere and then going back to the rebounding you just can't you can't get beat in the rebounding battle mm-hmm. like that when the when the other team is shooting close to 50% from the field you know if they're if they're clanking everything off and getting a bunch of offensive rebounds that's fine but and that's what TCU does they're number 1 in the nation in offensive rebound percentage they're one of the best rebounding teams in the country they don't shoot the three well. They don't really shoot free throws well, but they able they were able to come out and shoot free throws pretty well, and this one 78%. They shot the three decent at 35, and they stuck to their game with rebounding, and Oklahoma State just did not look like the Oklahoma State team we've seen this season, especially earlier this season on the defensive end of the floor. No, and TCU absolutely cooperated. They turned the ball over 17 times. Yeah, you know, so for what Oklahoma State lost on the boards, it's almost like a wash because of the amount of turnovers that TCU had. Oklahoma State only turned the ball over 11 times. Um, But yeah, I mean, plus 13, minus 13 from Oklahoma State's perspective on the boards is is terrible. And you're not going to win many games like that. And when you've got Lampkin in the middle, man, I mean, he is big and skilled enough that's how I'll put his game like he's big and skilled enough to get give him 10 points and give you a lot of problems to where your entire defense has to really crash hard on him and move him off the off his position to get a rebound and they didn't do a great job of it he pulled down 12 rebounds last night Um, so it just was a really tough tough game on the inside and you know you said Oklahoma State had 44 points in the paint I mean likely had what 19 of those 17 th- of those i think all 19 of his points yeah came in the and paint. that's where they should come from well let's be clear that's yeah that's where likely's points should come from but uh yeah it was just you know n- again not balanced enough you got some from some and again i just think the rebounding killed oklahoma state in this game it was huge it, it's the story of the game and you know they have that late comeback which was awesome that it was really got sweet. my hopes up and then crushed yeah. me at the end but 15 assists. So that's above their season average. You mentioned only 11 turnovers, nine steals, seven blocks. We already talked about 35% from three. You got to get to the free throw line more than 10 times. Yeah. Only two times in the first half. And then they only hit five of them total. Yep. But overall, it's not a bad game offensively. I just think the defense was poor and maybe not, maybe not poor, just below the Oklahoma State Sanders we've seen this season. And then you can't get beat like that on the boards, but I I thought they should have won this game. Also with Bryce Williams, he's obviously still really hurt. I know we mentioned that already when we were talking about the bedlam game, but he's not, he's not giving you much of anything out there. No, he, he was objectively bad last night. And there were a couple, what looked like to me, effort plays. But again, if he's injured, that's one thing, but um, a couple of offensive rebounds that TCU was able to pull down that were just killers, um, and, you know, he wasn't able to get a, a a position on anybody. I want to point out your favorite topic, three-point shooting. <laughs> Avery Anderson, three of five last night, a really, really good stat line. Um, if you take away his three for five, though, Oklahoma State was three for 12 last night. And I think that is the second time in four games that's happened. You take away an explosion from Avery Anderson – and you're really not a good three-point shooting team in that game. It's really one guy and everybody else not shooting well. So, again, that's not totally fair, but it does highlight, again, back to the point of a lack of consistent scoring from everyone else. I mean, you get an outburst from Likely with 19, and then you get five from Rondell Walker, and then you get four from Caleb Boone. It's just like you don't know really who you can go to. I was a little surprised. I know it's a different team than OU. We just talked about the the differences between the two teams, but I was a little surprised in him only getting seven minutes. It's a little strange, but like thinking about that matchup in particular, would you rather have Cise or Boone on on Lampkin? Yeah, I mean that's that's true. That's I true. I I get it. And Lampkin was able to stay in the game for 28 minutes. Like, it's not like he was coming off. I mean, I think Tanner Groves only got 23 minutes against Oklahoma state. So, uh, and actually I'm going to go double check that and probably uh, say I was wrong, but I felt like Tanner Groves was coming off the floor quite a bit. He had 30 minutes in that game. So I apologize, but Lampkin was just much more of a physical presence. Uh, and so I I can see why they went with a CSA who doesn't get moved off the block as easily, but Again, I think you're splitting hairs with those two guys in terms of strength and physicality. So um, I think they probably went with the guy who just gave him a little bit of an edge. But he had four fouls, so it's clear that, like, he was in there to get physical with Lampkin. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. If Moncrief, is that, was that two games in a row zero? Yeah, two games in a row was zero, and I actually wanted to And he talk- only played, like, a couple minutes in the OU game, but he got 11 here. He's got to give you something else. I actually he- wanted to talk to you about this. But- he is his role on what, what is his role right now? And I mean, two minutes of playing time in bedlam 11 against TCU. Is this as simple as Mike Boynton is just tinkering with the lineups to, to fit matchups. He's done this in the past. And this just may be the way he does it. So when we sit here and we're like, why'd Caleb Boone only get seven? Well, I, to me, it's interesting if you just look at the floor and then you look at the game before that, and then the game before that, and it's like, there's really no pattern. And I think it has to be because of matchups. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's weird because I think some of these guys need a little bit need minutes to get into a rhythm. Moncrief, especially a big thing with basketball players, just in general, with any, with any athlete. So it's kind of tough some of this inconsistency and maybe that's why we see some inconsistency in the scoring and, just different yeah, things so. Oklahoma state seems to be a roller coaster game to game in all these different statistics we bring up but yeah tough loss they got west virginia saturday yep i'll be there that'll be a good one i i i'm going to take oklahoma state in that one i know i've been down on them i don't think i've picked them in a game yet uh like on this podcast cuz i don't think maybe we predicted bedlam but regardless i'm picking them that's going to be a big game for them yeah. I don't think I want to say Bryce Thompson didn't get a ton of run in that game. Pretty much everybody right. had a tough night. I think Anderson was like three at 13 and had a bunch of turnovers, like four or five turnovers. I remember that game being extremely frustrating. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like 70 to 60 or something like that. I, I I think I agree with you. I think Oklahoma state can get the win against West Virginia at home. Yeah. And the reason I say that Caleb Boone has given them problems in the past. Avery Anderson has been a thorn in their side too. Um, I, at home on a Saturday afternoon, I bet it's a good crowd again. I'm going to take Oklahoma state, um, which by the way, speaking of crowd, I know I'm bouncing around here a little bit. That game against Be- in Bedlam was like the biggest outside of football. Like that was the biggest crowd Gallagher iba arena has probably had in two and a half years since the start of the pandemic. That's awesome. I didn't That's even awesome think yeah. about it until it was over. I was like, Oh wow. There was like 12,000 people in there. That
0: That's was, it was awesome. pretty
1: sweet. It was a, uh, it was, Kind of an old school feeling. And my, my daughter, man, she had a blast. It was pretty cool to watch. So. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, I was just looking, Kate, at West Virginia while you were talking. You know, after they beat Oklahoma State, they lost their next seven games. What? And then they beat Iowa State on Tuesday. How did, we, how did I not know this? Yeah, so this is showing losses to Kansas, Baylor, Tech, OU, Arkansas, Baylor, and then Tech again. We so broke West Virginia. Baylor, twice attack <laughs> We broke them. <laughs> that's wild. Didn't we put that something on film. Just we just couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to get the win. They can't have.
0: They oh, can't that's lose crazy. seven, beat
1: Iowa State, and then beat us again. So I, I think they win it, though. I think you're right. I think what we mentioned, really bad offensive night from Oklahoma State last time, a bunch of turnovers. I think they can pull it out. These games weren't even all that competitive, Dustin. Like, I'm, I'm looking at some of these scores. These are nine, 10, 11, 12 point games that they were losing, you know, the closest one being a a four point loss at Baylor. Um, Yeah, that's interesting. That's I'm sure, you know, Bob Huggins not too pleased about that or the folks in Morgantown. They they like their basketball quite a bit. So anyway, I think Oklahoma State still matches up well with West Virginia. It's just a matter of I know they had problems you know, with, with turnovers in the last game, they had problems on the boards. I don't expect that this game. I think it's a good crowd. I think that's enough to help Oklahoma state, you know, over that hump. And then I think in the middle of the week, they go to, they go to Lawrence on big Monday. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. Great news. (laughs) That'll be good. I didn't, I didn't know which day that game was. I had the schedule pulled up a second ago. Yeah. That's big Monday. And uh, it's also known as big sad day because that's, that's that probably not going to be all that much fun, but who knows, Oklahoma State has success in Lawrence more than, uh, more than many. But anyway, Dustin. How many, Kate, how many, how many wins do you think they get the rest of the season? So you got West Virginia. You got at Kansas. You got K-State at home. Baylor at home. Bedlam and Norman. Iowa State away. And then Texas Tech at home. How many of those do you think they win? I know you said West Virginia. I have three on my hands right now. OU and I have West Virginia OU and Kansas State at home Kansas State okay but the one that's on the fence for me is Baylor next Monday on Big Monday. I thought Oklahoma State again it's all about matchups with this team like you get the right team in front of you and they can beat anybody and Baylor for whatever reason I I felt like that game in Waco was not fluky and they match up well with Baylor they've beaten them twice in a row now if if you remember uh so to me it's a good matchup i could see four but man i'm not gonna get greedy i mean i could see them beating a a baylor or or a texas tech at home for sure to to cap off the year i can see that i can't believe it's already almost uh over can you it's wild it it's just weird that it's gonna just end abruptly right at the end of the regular season with nothing to do in kansas city which by the way big 12 we're not going to let that go here on this podcast. They had a chance to do the right thing. Let us at least play in that tournament and they couldn't do it. Bowls be spineless. So that says a lot. Um, but anyway, it is going to be weird and it's not going to be all that much fun, but March madness right around the corner and uh, can't complain about that this time of year. So Dustin, anything else on basketball? What's your, you? did you, did you make a prediction? You said Oklahoma state's going to get the win. Yeah. I think they win at West Virginia and I like your, I like your picks for the three wins. Okay, Dustin, thanks for the basketball breakdown. Let's go ahead and take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are. Leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies with over a hundred schools available. and I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift, uh, home field apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out and use our promo code feels 12 to get 15% off your first order. And of course, all orders over hundred dollars get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, moving right along, Dustin. Basketball's wrapping up, but we still got a lot to talk about. What's the latest in the Transfer Portal, or still Sponsorless Transfer Portal segment? <laughs> the Transfer, well... Okay. Did you want to hit the Derek Mason? news? I do. I do. I do. I'm getting way ahead of myself here. We got more to talk about on the Derek Mason contract, obviously forgetting, forgetting my bearings here. Basketball has got me disoriented. I respect it because I know you love the transfer portal. I certainly do. do. I'm just ready to (laughs) rock. I'm ready to get in the portal. I didn't mean to I didn't mean to throw a wrench in that. I just that's what I have next on my notes and you were gonna throw me off. So. <laughs> yeah, well I can't do I can't do that. If I throw you off, then then that throws me off. And then our <laughs> listeners suffer because of that. And we don't want that. So Cade, we said or I said I thought it was gonna be somewhere in like the 1.4 to 1.7 range. So either right below yeah, you the did 1.5 say that. he added Auburn or a little bit above, and he comes in at 1.1 million two-year deal for Oklahoma state's new defensive coordinator, Derek Mason Cade, your thoughts. Well, <laughs> what it says to me is Auburn's not a good place to be right now. I don't know, Brian Harson. I don't know the type of ship he runs, but uh, Yes, yeah, seems like things are not going well there for, for several reasons. I'm just and kidding. No of, <laughs> yeah. Several reasons of which there are many that you can Twitter search. There's a lot going on there, but uh, for, for Derek Mason to resign, And then take a pay cut is interesting. There was a big, a big conversation about this on Twitter last week of like, Oh wow. Derek Mason took a pay cut to go to Oklahoma state. What does that say about Auburn? Like I know it's that's, it's what I just said, but on the other flip side of this coin, Oklahoma state's a good place to be right now. They've got returning talent. They're going to make another run at a big 12 title. So on one side of the coin, I agree. With, with that narrative of Auburn's got something going on, but on the flip side of that, it does totally discount what Oklahoma State's got returning the opportunity that Derek Mason can can take at Oklahoma State. Um, I think they got one heck of a deal. I completely agree. It it And it's still, it's not like 1.1 is a low number. That makes him the highest paid assistant in Oklahoma State history, I believe, is what I saw. I think that's right. So, so at 1.1 million... I also saw Pokes report reported that all of the football staff uh, should be getting raises across the board. I saw there may be an exception with Casey Dunn who just had, since he just had that promotion to offensive coordinator, but we should hear something after the uh, board of Regents meeting in March. So that's is cool the- all across the board there for the raises. Yeah. Is that restoring the pay cuts that we're given, or is that already, has that already happened? I'm sure that's already happened. I pay cuts th- due to I, COVID. Yeah, I believe that's already happened. Okay. I believe this is something additional on top. But good, it's. I, I think it's awesome. Like you said, I think Oklahoma State got a huge, huge bargain here, a great deal for a solid coach. I would expect that he's probably only here two years. That's kind of what you and I talked about on the rest of the podcast. But you get a guy in who has a ton of experience calling plays in the defensive coordinator position. You get someone that can come in and recruit really heavily for two years who's been in – SEC living rooms, knows what he's doing, had to recruit in SEC country at Vanderbilt and was able to still bring in some big-time players on the defensive side of the football and, honestly, the offensive side, and he was head coach. Did his thing at Auburn. I think it's going to be awesome. I think he's going to come in. I think you and I, I believe, both think that Joe Bob is next in line after that recent move to linebacker coach to kind of take over from Mason when Mason – heads out after two years or however long it is. So I think, I think everything's just kind of working in place. And I, I, it's awesome. I I just thought it was an awesome deal all around. And I think it was a listener that brought that point up about, you know, moving Joe Bob to linebackers. And I didn't ever think of that, but as time has gone on, i like, I'm falling in love with that idea of Derek Mason. You know, if he uses Oklahoma state for, for a, you know, an opportunity to become a head coach again, you can't, I can't knock that. I mean, I get it. It does stink that the you know Oklahoma state defensive coordinator job isn't a destination job, but show me one, show me one coordinator job. That's a destination job right now. And I, I will, I will, you know, have a different tone, but with Derek Mason, I think you got as good of a coach as proven a track record as you could have possibly gotten. Um, and, and it's a no doubter to me that even if you get one year out of him, even if you get one year the impact that he's going to have on the coaching staff on those recruits is going to be felt. I mean, he's got NFL experience. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm excited to see how much the scheme changes. You know, you and I talked about how we we've heard that he's going to use a lot of the same terminology, a lot of the same play calling style. So we'll see how much it really changes, but it's, it's going to be a fun ride. I think on the defensive side of football, and I'm glad they were able to, lock him in at 1.1. 1. 1. I know you said he's going to use a lot of the same terminology and scheme. Do you think he's going to like act like Jim Knowles? Do you think he's going to like walk around with a cigar humidor in his hand and, and talk like, you know, that ain't it, bro. Do you think he's going to do all that? <laughs> I don't think, I think Mason has just too much energy inside okay. of him. I know okay. Knowles at practice is a very energetic, loud guy, but you know, after the games and in his press conferences, he's a little bit more laid back. And I don't think Derek Mason can do that. He's just yeah, got too no. much fire. It seems like it. We've already played you the can't sound. Turn it bite. Off. We already played the sound bite earlier a yeah. uh, couple weeks ago. Uh you he really doesn't seem to be able to turn it off and he's got swag too. He's he's a well-dressed man. I I can appreciate that. So um anyway, I'm I'm all in favor of it. i mean, in, I'm interested to see who and what type of player he recruits on the defensive end. Do they start taking shots at higher end players? You know, higher end in the terms of, of stars, of course, but like. Or do they continue to recruit these, you know, diamond in the rough, like a Colin Oliver type of, of player? I'll be interested to see if anything changes on that recruiting front. I doubt it. Um, but it's still something to look at, especially when you get a name like that on your coaching staff. Agreed. And it'll be fun kind of to your point to see the, the development, if it changes, if it kind of improves any with the defensive backs, especially with a lot of – since there's a lot of younger guys, the Corey Blacks, the Jabbar Mohameds, the Beemans have- – They've all against. taken great steps already. Like the yeah, development with, with there Hammer is impressive and with Duffy, yeah. So it's you got two great coaches in there, you got a new a new brain in the room, so we'll see I don't know how much he'll, you know, be able to focus on the defensive backs, but I think it could really I think you can really benefit them as well especially that coaching clinic I watched he was all about defensive back so yeah I I can't his, wait it's going to be fun it's going to be a fun football season I I am uh I'm already missing it but shoot we're already halfway through February nearly and it's going to be here before you know it it's going to be the <laughs> real off season I mean we're going to be getting into the dog days of summer soon so I can't wait we're going to be breaking down the roster it's it's really going to come quickly um and for the podcast like I'm ready to get back into that groove. I know you are too. So oh, for sure. It's gonna be fun. And I, I meant to say it like, don't fast forward through the basketball stuff. Okay. I know yeah. it's tough right now. I we know, know some people tough. are doing it. I've heard I've heard some rumors. You know Alex Fuller's doing it. I'll call <laughs> I, him out. You you know him better than I do. I've I've heard rumors people are fast-forwarded through basketball. If we could do that, we would, but we're not going to. Okay. Hey, look, <laughs> let's stick you it can out. Fast forward through the entire podcast if you want, as long as you can the on ads. It. Except click on it, yeah. Don't don't fast forward the. Just listen to the ads. Fast forward through everything else. Give us a five star review and give us that click, and I'm fine. Yeah, and follow on Twitter. That's all. Those five yeah. things you can fast forward through through anything. Just boost our stats. Yeah, make us feel really good and pretty for sure. Um, <laughs> no, Dustin. Anything else on Derek Mason? I, I don't have anything else. I we'll we'll dive into them more. I'll mention at the end of the podcast our plan for next week. So we'll be diving into them a little bit more. But I think that's all in the contract I've got. Okay, now we will get to the Sponsorless Transfer Portal segment. And here's where I would have played your jingle. I would have hit the button and we would have been, you know, <laughs> listening to your song and now we would be talking about the Transfer Portal. So Dustin, what is the latest in the portal? I think my song is going to be like a, it's, it's like a little rock rap, like maybe like a Jay-Z Lincoln Park collision course. Stuff. Oh, see, I was thinking <laughs> something completely, are you familiar with Bluey? have you have you watched much bluey yet i know what it is but i have i have not i'm not in the bluey world all all the dads of toddlers that that listen to this podcast of which there are many uh i think of the the jingle that we would have played for your ad as the bluey theme song so yeah just just know that i like i like your style though dustin it's a little bit like (laughs) i was trying to think of a little bit darker i I like that (laughs) but Okay, serious, th- serious though, back to the transfer portal because it's transfer portal serious. Let's get serious. Yes. It's uh, very, very important stuff. So, okay, not a lot of updates on the guys who they have offers out to. We'll run through them again. We've got Prince Pines, Sam Houston transfer played at Baylor, played guard at Baylor, uh, from originally from Louisiana's got two years el- eligibility. I know Mississippi State's really interested. I believe he's planning to take some visits. I don't see, I don't see a decision coming super soon from him. I could be wrong on that, but I don't see anything coming real soon. We've got Dorian Hinton and Lance Robinson, the two middle Tennessee guys. Hinton was the one who played left guard. Robinson played left and right tackle. I think they're gonna get Hinton. He's he's one that I think they're gonna get, but he he also probably won't make a decision because he doesn't have to get anywhere until summertime as well. Now that now that he hasn't made the decision at this point they didn't those two didn't enter the portal that long ago right both those guys would be great gets i think hitting would slot right in as you as your backup guard your kind of swing guard that we've talked about but i think out of those two i really like hitting both would be great um but i again I, i'm not expecting a i'm not expecting anything anytime soon i think these guys are going to take visits in the spring and then make a decision after that so if it's a little bit sooner that would be great but They're not going to be playing and practicing in the spring anyway, so I don't expect it to come anytime soon. But if if I had to bet on one of those three, I think Dorian Hinton's the guy. And then Cade, we talked about defensive line. We didn't think they were going to offer anybody unless it was someone they really, really liked or somebody connected to Derek Mason. And what do they do? They go out and offer Rashawn Wilkins, Vanderbilt defensive lineman transfer. He's got one year left to play was there with Mason. Mason was uh, recruiting when he was the head coach recruiting when he joined Vanderbilt. So he's got a lot of familiarity there. And this is your Israel Antoine guy. This is the guy that you come in and plug in there with Sionia C with, uh, with our guy uh a That's where he would play six, 310 pounds, played all 12 games last season. I've actually already cut some video. I was going to wait to see if he actually committed to put it out, but maybe I'll put it out a little bit earlier He's a guy that plays inside, 442 snaps in 2021. 189 of those were at no's. Uh, in 2020, 171 snaps with almost all of – I think more than half of those at nose. So he's somebody that can come in and play that zero, play that one where Antoine and the C played. But he can move around a little bit too, played some over tackle as well in that three techniques uh, – over in that kind of three technique area. But I really like him. I, I don't know if you've gotten – a chance to watch much of him, but I was able to watch a little bit and i watched some Vanderbilt games already anyway. So I had some notes on him from then, but yeah, I like, I like this guy. Impressive player. And one thing that I, I was interested to talk with you about is how they've already brought in one defensive lineman in Saletti Faveliaki, which we talked about beautiful, last week. Beautiful uh, pronunciation. Thank you. Thank you. I, I actually was really proud of that. So thank you for telling me Uh <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, I can do it again if you want. Um, <laughs> I'm fine with the one. <laughs> okay. Just making sure. Um, but anyway, they brought him in alongside with potentially Rashawn Wilkins when we thought maybe it was one slot on that defensive line. Now it could potentially be two. Like, what other moves are there if they're already, if they're still offering guys? on that defensive line spot, there's got to be something else coming, um, which I, I mean, that seems obvious at this point, but uh, it, it at least clues you in to kind of where things are headed. I I just don't, I don't know if a C is in every snap guy. I know Derek Mason has at Vanderbilt and even at Auburn, not rotated the defensive line a lot. His down linemen, he plays the same guys pretty much the entire game. It's something I noticed even just looking at the PFF snap counts for these guys during those seasons, but I think a C is a guy who kind of needs to rotate. I think he's a great player. He's awesome. But I think he's the guy who needs to rotate out. So I think they want someone that can come in and play right away. And I think Wilkins is your guy there. He's very experienced, as I talked about. Got a lot of snaps in 2021 and 2020. And he's been he's been in college for a while. Yeah. He's a big guy, like I talked about, 6'3", 310 pounds. I'm all for and it. I think he's someone you could plug in right away behind a C in that spot. And he's got the familiarity with Mason. He's played in that two-gap system. He's played in Mason's, you know, we talked about the ends kind of fitting back to the middle, back into those down down linemen. So I, I like it. I think they're going to be able to land him. I know SMU is in the mix as well. He just entered the portal like a week ago, but I know SMU is one of the big offers. I saw that they put an article out on, I think it was SMU's on three side. I haven't got to read it yet, but... Hopefully there's not any nuggets in there that he's for sure about to come into SMU because I think I'll Oklahoma State can land him with the Mason connection. I think it would be a huge boost to that defensive line depth. Man, it would be big time. That would be big time. It would change a lot of my perception about that interior part of the defensive line. Um, you know, obviously not going forward, but for next season, I mean, anytime you can... Grab a plug and play player from the SEC like that. You will take it. So, um hundred percent. Great news there. Hopefully, hopefully they can ink that again. Like I know we've got a transfer portal segment on this podcast, loosely, but like things are slowing down to a screeching halt in the transfer portal. Yeah, Kate, There's. I was. It's more of a transfer puddle right now. Yes. You feel me? <laughs> it is more of a transfer puddle, but there's not. You know. I told you guys that that rivals transfer portal Twitter is probably the best spot to follow for new info. And there's just not a ton of guys that have really piqued my interest. Again, I'm not the, I'm not the end. all be all analysis for transfer portal guys, but you know, I'm trying to dig through and I don't see a lot of guys who I think Oklahoma state would offer that have entered since the last time we broke it down. So I don't have anybody new for you. I probably won't. The Wilkins thing right when he entered, they offered him. So that's one where, I think it's going to be like that. I think they're going to have some inklings of guys about to enter that Mason maybe has connections to, or right when a guy enters, they offer him if it's someone that they really, really like. So I think you'll see that, but I definitely think we got a question. I'm just going to go ahead and hit it now from Evan Farbach. At Evan Farbach, Evan, thanks so much for the question. He said, "Will we get at least one player from the transfer portal?" Evan, yes, we will. I can Guarantee and- you that. <laughs> I think it's going to be Hinton out of the offensive lineman that we talked about, and I think they can land Wilkins as well. I mean, do you agree, kid? I do agree with you, Dustin. I'm, I'm trying not to forget this point because it, it it made me laugh as you as you were standing there. T- not standing. I, don't know what I said, as you were sitting there talking. I'm standing. I'm yeah, you're so <laughs> Dustin is standing uh, this <laughs> entire podcast, no headphones in. Uh, but as you were talking about the transfer portal, and you said nobody piqued my interest, I just imagined you sitting up on your laptop at like one o'clock in the morning with a glass of whiskey, looking through this, going, "Hmm, no, no, not him," in a very pretentious <laughs> way. Oh yes, I, I like to click on them. I pull up their rivals. They're two four seven. <laughs> I try maybe I'll DM their grandma. You know, I try to find out. I try to like your your guest on. room has clippings all over it of these people in the portal, and you're just tearing them off the wall. No, not him. Not him. No way. That's how I see you interacting with the portal. That's it's it. sad, but it's it's similar to that. It's very yeah. Sad. Well, yeah, just yeah. Anyway, well, I'm sorry <laughs> I took us off on that on that tangent. But uh, no, the the transfer portal. Totally, the transfer puddle probably for the next couple of months. I would think, maybe not even that long, but uh, as as really the spring semester gets going and wraps up, I would think, it's yeah, after, it, it, it it's slowly evaporating. It'll go away. Yeah, it'll, I think your window out. to sponsor the portal has the puddle <laughs> has gone away. Uh, <laughs> yes. I think it's about to evaporate into the springtime. But Dustin, anything else on the portal that we missed? No. All right, let's move on. So. Let's move on. I got to pull up your notes here. I, I do this all the time. I've got it. And then I don't have it. Um, no, I Kate, I can If you want me to, I can take it to the next. Spot well, I've, we I've got it. Football. I'm sorry. This okay. has been clunky. It's like, I think basketball last night threw me off. Work has been nuts and, and I've got bluey stuck in my head now. So that's, that's the problem. <laughs> but obviously, you know, Dustin, we've talked a lot about this, about the podcast in general, what we're going to do during this amount of time where there's really not much football going on. Well, I think softball and baseball are going to handle that for us. They've got a couple of good squads up there in Stillwater. And one thing I wanted to talk with you about, one thing we wanted to talk about, was the softball media day recap. Kenny Gayeski's a stud, man. He's he's awesome to listen to. I hope I hope everybody checked out that in the circle podcast as well. But Kenny G gets up there at media day this past Monday, and he goes for over an hour, and I loved every minute of it. He's. I, I, He's very like honest, and I appreciate yes. that and him and Boynton are bros like they're they're very good friends and they kind of speak they speak honestly in the same way um oh, and and oh, they talk 100%. candidly off this off the cuff and you can see why student athletes are they just gravitate to him. I can see it yeah. with him too. I think it was Chelsea Alexander, who's an amazing player he he said something like yeah, she hasn't been very good. She hasn't been very good leading up to this point, but she always kind of starts off slow and picks it up later. Yeah. <laughs> and Just to your point, she, he, he's very honest. And I think his players appreciate that. And obviously I know the media appreciates that they were, those guys were eating that up. They kept asking them questions and he answers all, all of them. Truthfully. He's a great interview. I'm sure for any podcast that in the circle when they pretty much asked him anything and he, and he hit on it, but He, he kind of went all over the place, but Cade, one thing I wanted to touch on that he, that he hit on. And just in general for the softball season, I know if if some of you guys are, don't watch a lot of softball, or if you're just getting into it now that they put a lot of the games on ESPN plus, he's had some really, really good teams. And he coached for two years at Florida when they won back-to-back national championships. He said, this is the best roster he's ever coached. And he's including those teams, the deepest team he's ever had at Oklahoma state and Losing Carrie Everly, who's actually now on staff, but losing her, he said, "This is the best pitching staff ever." She may have been the best, one of the best Oklahoma State pitchers in recent memory. That you don't have her anymore, and he's saying this is the best pitching staff they've ever had as well. Man, Man. I can't wait to see what they do. Um, it it's going to be. I, I know the roster is great. I mean, they're bringing in uh Julia Cottrell too from Florida who yeah dad's, dad's an assistant on the coach yeah. yeah dad's an assistant coach but I mean she was I had her stats pulled up right here last spring she started 50 games at 294 five home runs and 26 RBIs uh, and as a freshman she was 323 with 11 RBIs and eight doubles it's like that's that's no slouch right there and yeah and you're adding yeah. that to this roster at the catcher spot that's big time Gajewski said she has the strongest arm he's had at the catcher position. Jeez. So he's just making some bold statements. <laughs> I loved it. And at pitchers, you got Kelly Maxwell coming back. She's she's yep. probably going to be the ace. You got Morgan Day coming in. You got Miranda Ellis coming in. Both really talented transfers coming in. They're, they're aces on other teams. They're aces yeah. on SEC and uh, Illinois, uh, Illinois State, I believe it is. They're coming in, and they're going to compete for that ace spot, and you've already got Maxwell. And they, oh, and they basically nuts. return – Everybody in the field, except you've got Catrell at catcher, and then you lose Allison Freebie Fiebre at first base, but you've got Naomi back, Pennington, Haley Busby, who might bash a million home runs, yeah. Cheyenne Factor, Petty, Alexander. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. If you aren't, if you aren't watching softball right now, it may be one of my favorite sports to watch. I'm not just saying that there's a ton of home runs, it's super fast paced because the infield is just so tight. It's very exciting, and the games actually don't last for very long. So if you're not a huge baseball fan, because of how long the games are, softball games are not. Oh, softball is an awesome sport to watch. It's great for television too. I, I, and I love baseball. Don't get me wrong. I grew up playing it. I, I love the game. Softball is more like basketball than it is like baseball in terms of speed of the game. I mean, it's you're in and out in two hours. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. We went to the Fuller, and I actually went to the college world series last year. That was my first time to go. And it was a, Oh, it, was, fun. A yes, it really was a blast. Yeah. It's really a blast. The, the only other thing, Cade, the only other note I had is uh Kieski talking about stadium improvements. They're changing up the field, uh, changing up some of the padding. I think on the back walls, they've had some issues with that, but he really, he really got into new stadium and talking about how they need more seats. Yeah. Because he they're did filling it up every game. And I respect that that he's able to just kind of get a little bit heated about that and he said it's he thinks it's coming soon but they they for sure need it soon and i think that's awesome and that would be great because i know it, i know it is hard to get seats to those games they fill up well and now they're in the college world series every other year and it's like okay we got to do something about it you got panels falling off in the outfield so totally overdue i think the stadium itself has 750 chairbacks in it which mm-hmm. is crazy I mean, and they have I, a standing room, but I mean, you yeah, need seats, you need more seats. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'll be up there for standing room doesn't bother me, but I know it will keep a lot of people away. Um, so it's definitely something that's needed. And I mean, another season of, of, you know, really solid play, which I, I feel like is definitely a, a good bet, uh, would should certainly help his cause. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready. They start, they actually start tomorrow. Yeah, who do they have it's tomorrow? On, it's Arizona State. They're in that. Uh, yeah, that's right. That tournament. They've got Arizona State, then they've got Duke on Friday, Utah on Friday, California Baptist, and Missouri State on Saturday. That's awesome. And the Arizona State and Utah games are both on Pac-12 Network. I, hey, I could see maybe I another that. game getting picked I get up, that but on yes. Fubo. Nice. Yeah, so seven thirty tomorrow night Central Time. They'll be they'll be on. I'll be watching. I'm sure Kate will be watching. Oh, you know and I. I'll be cutting some softball videos for the Twitter as well because hey. I was doing that last year on my account, and it they're they're fun. It's just it's 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 fun to watch, and I have a, I have a blast watching it. Well, I, I can't wait. Softball is a blast, and I mean, again, it, baseball is going to be no slouch as well. I mean, I I saw a, a preseason ranking had him as high as number two. If I'm not mistaken, so that's it's it's crazy. Um, going to be a fun spring in Stillwater. Going to carry us all the way through to football season. But, uh, Dustin, I mean, big win for the golf tournament or golf team as well in that last in that last tournament. I think we had a, a course record shattered. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, Eugenia Shikara shot a 62, <laughs> and he took the medalist honors at 19 under. Yeah, Oklahoma State got the win. I think that's their second win of the year. They, I believe they edged out Texas Tech, so looking good. I know they're back at it this weekend, I think, in Gainesville, Florida, at the Gators Invitational. The girls are back at it soon, too, at the Columbia Classic. So golf, they have it on the golf network a lot, the college golf, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch. But the guys are looking good this year. I think they're going to be able to make a run. But just wanted to shout out that, that course record and that big-time uh, team victory, so. Big time pro tournament coming up this weekend as well with the Waste Management Open. You're going to have a lot of cowboys in that field. Ricky Fowler, Victor Hovland, uh, Taylor Gooch. I, I don't know if Matt Wolf is in that field. I believe he is. Um, but again, a big time field. Uh, and I mean, it's it's the 16th hole at TPC Scottsdale. You got to love that. So um, <laughs> it's going to be fun. I can't wait to watch that tournament. It's, uh, it's actually is it going to end? Yeah, it'll end on Super Bowl Sunday as well. So that'll be that'll be a great day of sports for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, is that it? I think that's it before we get I to think, Twitter questions, right? I think we had I think we had two more one to hit real quick. This one, we don't have to go. Maybe I'll, I did want to ask you one question on it. The NFL Combine released their that's list right. of invitees today. So from Oklahoma State, you've got Malcolm Rodriguez, Jalen Warren, and Colby Harvell Peel. Cade, who do you think got snubbed from Oklahoma State? And then I'll tell you mine. They may oh. the same dear who do I think got snubbed from? it's got to be Christian Holmes you going with Holmes I I really I really think so here's here's my thing I think I think all three of the guys deserve it Rodriguez Warren and Harvell Peel but I'm Silk. honestly shocked I'm shocked that Tay Martin and Trace that Warren made it over Tay Martin and Trey Sterling not that Warren shouldn't be there I think all of them should be there but I just think I just think with how Tay played in the Shrine Bowl, how he practiced, and then the Trey Sterling hype before he got injured the year before was Matt. I mean, people thought he was going to go out that year. So, right, the fact that the fact that both of them get left out, I think, is a little surprising. I I do agree with Holmes. I thought he could make it into, especially with how he played in his bowl game and how he practiced leading up to that. Um, I can't the one in Hawaii. I can't think of what that one was called, but. Sills as well because he's I heard yeah. he's been performing really well at all of the lineman camps that have been going on. So it, I was I was pretty shocked to see Jalen Warren and nothing against Jalen Warren, he's amazing. We you know gushed over him on pretty much every podcast this season. But right. I thought I if you would have made me guess three, I probably would have had all of the guys we just mentioned over him. Yeah, I mean, I that. When you when you put it that way, I I could totally agree with you. You gotta wonder though, I mean, Jalen Warren was, you know, almost a household name in the Big 12 this year. Could yeah. that have anything to do with it? Like if they snub him, then they've then they've really made a mistake. It you yeah, That's a great point. Maybe, maybe understandable, but uh, you know, not not to me. I agree with you. I think that's a big time miss. Um, and especially just with some of the things you and I have talked about with him, like his route running ability. Um like those are things that translate to the NFL. You would have thought that they would have been interested in having him at the combine for sure. It's got good size. Good. Strength, yeah. Right. Right. We'll see. It's so it's televised on NFL network, March 1st through March 7th, March 7th, the different position groups will go to different days, but definitely check that out. Awesome. Those three got in there. I, I thought if, if Malcolm Rodriguez got left off, I was going to probably drive to Indianapolis and have some words. <laughs> well, with we got other business today. to handle in Indianapolis too. We got to stop by the NCAA headquarters. <laughs> got to go pick it that Malcolm Rodriguez wouldn't have been in there. Like we we would have had reason to get up there. Yeah, but shout out shout out to those three guys. It's so awesome. I'm, I'm going to be pumped to watch them. And Cade, the last thing that I had – Tell us about our guy, Anthony Black, some news this oh, week. Oh, thank you for reminding me. I. It sounds like a two-horse race, and it feels like it's been that way for a long time, um, but it, it just kind of was confirmed this week. Thank you for reminding me about this, Dustin. I appreciate it. We got so much swirling around in the, in the old noggin here that sometimes <laughs> something's bound to get lost. But this this is a big one. I've, I've circled Anthony Black as kind of the next player that can help usher in the new era for Oklahoma State. We thought it would be Cade Cunningham. Still could be. The postseason ban is just a huge cloud over the program. Next year, it's not a problem, though. And Anthony Black is in the same mold of a Cade Cunningham. Like He plays a very (laughs) similar style of game. That's his uh NBA comp on 247 it's sports. so obvious it cade it's cade. so <laughs> obvious to me i've said it for a year now watching anthony black i'm like oh i see what they're doing here they're they're going for him to fill the cade cunningham role and he's a li- he plays a little different of a game uh, probably more more explosive an athlete, not as good of a passer. Um, and probably not as good of a shooter. I as would Cates agree with that. Turner, but if he, you remember, Chopper needs some improvement, but, but yeah, I, I think it's they said the same, true. they said the same thing about Cade too. 100%. And then he comes in and he was easily Oklahoma state's best shooter. Go back and watch Cade Cunningham's Oklahoma state highlights. By the way, I did that last weekend. You, I think we've all forgotten. I think we've all just said <laughs> Cade Cunningham so many times. I think I've forgotten Dustin. I don't know about you. I think you might have forgotten that dude was unfreaking believable. Yeah. I'm, I'm just cut side note. I'm so pumped to see him in Oklahoma city, April 1st, when they take on the thunder. Oh, I will little, be, I will be at that. Game I might need to, to try to upgrade my, my seats. there. Yeah. I might talk need to, to my get ticket account that. manager. <laughs> you got but, one of those. Very nice. Oh yeah. But, uh, the, uh, but my point on Anthony black, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Two-horse race between Gonzaga and Oklahoma State now. It sounds like he's still entertain- entertaining the G League, which at this point every top prospect is going to be. Um, so this, this is going to be a coup. What I will say, I think Oklahoma State's got the inside track here, just like they did with Cade Cunningham. They've been in on him the longest. There seems to be a really deep relationship there with Mike Boynton. You made a great point about his quote in the in the article that Mike, out of all the schools he talked about, the only coach he mentioned – was Mike Boynton. Yeah, and and it sticks out. Like, he, he talks about Gonzaga as the program. He talks about Baylor as the program and the G League about the league. And then he talks about Oklahoma State and says their program and Coach Mike Boynton. And to me, it's just like, that does stick out. Like, and you can say it, you can take that however you want, but I, I do think Oklahoma state just based on that relationship has an inside track here. I don't have any knowledge, you know, that I'm reporting or anything, but I like their chances. And it sounds like he's approaching a decision quickly. Um, It seems like this could come pretty soon. That'll be huge. Well, if he, if he does commit to Oklahoma state, we will do, we will do a full breakdown on him and we'll set aside some time on the podcast for just that. But thanks, Cade, for that for that you know, breakdown. No, I mean, no problem. And you know, one that. thing to think about as as we go through all of this, there's a scholarship reduction to consider. Not only does the postseason ban suck, there's a scholarship ban or scholarship reduction involved. So somebody would likely lose a seat on the bus if an Anthony black comes in because they got Kion Williams right now, who is already on is signed. So, you know, potentially some roster shuffling going on uh, in this off season They're they're recruiting Parker Fredrickson out of Bixby hard. They want him to. Um, so yeah, I would, I would not be surprised to see some movement this off season. Yeah, no, that's okay. Thanks for that. That you are the, you're my go-to on basketball recruiting. So I appreciate that. Well, that's down. very sweet of you. Um, <laughs> let's let's move on to voice questions here. A couple familiar names, and then we can flip it over to Twitter questions. We'll start with Philip Slavin, the godfather of the 1012 network.
0: Yes, uh Philip Slavin back again with another question for you. So to make sure that you have a voice recording message every week. You know, <laughs> I want you to have that. Thanks,
1: Philip. Thanks, uh, man. So
0: here's my question, week. Um, Oklahoma State. Announcing basically that the new defensive coordinator, Derek Mason, is going to make $1.1 million a year. The most OSU has ever paid a coordinator before. You know, with, with things that have been said about the alignment top down from university president to athletic director to Mike Gundy, um, I, I wonder if, if we ever would have seen this with Mike Holder as the athletic director, which leads me to wonder is this just the cost of doing business or is this um, I think another sign that Oklahoma state is shifting the mentality uh, towards resources to the football program and understanding that to win at the highest level, it's going to take spending closer to the highest level. Thanks guys.
1: Philip, thanks for the, the great question there. Uh, Dustin, I'll take a shot at it. This one jumps out at me. I think it can be both. I think it is the cost of doing business, right? I think there is a premium you have to pay these days to be competitive uh, with, with a high-end coach such as Derek Mason. I also do agree that this is them taking the next step. We've talked about this. There was a great listener question a couple of months ago about what does Mike Gundy mean about taking the next step? I think this is what he's talking about. I think spending money on coaches, one is the cost of doing business and two is part of taking the next step. Yeah, I I completely agree. And, Philip, thank you for the question. I really appreciate that you're looking out for us with the uh, voice yeah. questions because you know we love the voice questions. But I, I think I agree with your point that it can that it can be both. But Gundy has preached this that they need to get they need to be able to spend more money they need to be able to get on this level. So I think they are moving in that direction. Well, I think it's kind of a wait and see. You know, this is this the first step? This along with all of the raises across the board for the assistants. You know, maybe if Philip, if Philip asked that question next year and we see some more kind of big movements, maybe we could say a definite yes. But I, th- I think it's a yes. I think it's moving in that direction. But I, I like your point that it could kind of can be both. Yeah, I think, I think. And again, this is not a one, you know, one time Band-Aid fix. They're talking about changing the way a university approaches its football program. That is a large ship to steer. Um, and this is, it takes some time and, um, you know, if they're talking about investing more money, um, you know, potentially securing larger, you know, uh, funds to do so. I mean, that, that all takes time. So, um, it is clearly though, in my mind, a step in the right direction, as you said, Dustin. All right. Another question here from, uh, now a familiar name, Alexander Smith. First time called in last week. Now he's back. Apparently we did a good job, <laughs> Dustin. <laughs>
0: Hey guys, it's Alex from North Carolina. Um, so question, we saw uh, some of the two bigs look in Bedlam and they used to say like higher in the zone, um, which was pretty terrifying seeing him run around like on the perimeter, um, cutting off passing <laughs> lanes. And versus TCU, you know, with such a re- huge rebounding advantage for TCU. Um, didn't quite see as much as that. So um, do you think this is a good way for us forward in basketball um, and uh, what exactly do we need to do to facilitate and cover for that if, like, we're given something on perimeter speed to make sure that have those two picks, And then um quick football question, um, can you guys go over the battle for wide receiver one next year? Thanks. Bye.
1: Alex, I love that you told us where you're from because it makes us sound big time. You're <laughs> Alex from North Carolina, and we got a lot of listeners a lot of different places. I, <laughs> so I, I love, love that, that you said that. I love that. And those are, again, great questions from Alex. I think he's, I think he asked three on the first one. So yeah. He's five for five right now. Locked in. Questions. Alex is locked in. It's Kate, if if you don't mind that, that I had this quote written down and just kind of what Bo- Boynton talked about, just switching out on the perimeter with CSA on Tanner Groves. It, it's a great call from Alex because Boynton said, you know, that's part of coaching. You watch film, you try to figure some stuff out. So if you decide to stay on the ball hander, you're leaving him space. You know, he's a really smart player. He had, he had a solid game. You know, he still got his, what, 23 points up. Yep. But they were able to switch and use CSA's length to kind of take away the vision out on the perimeter so they couldn't make any easy passes inside. And I thought that was awesome. I th- That's just, we've talked about, we hit on it recently. You know, there's been, you know, people question when, when teams are losing the X's and O's from the coach. But we've seen some solid X's and O's moves recently. I know there was, it, it's been a lot more focused on kind of the on-ball, Pick and roll stuff on the gu- on the more talented guards, but you see this here with a talented big that can step outside on the perimeter. And I think Alex makes a great point. It, it's it kind of changed from the game to game. You don't really see that against TCU, but I do think I do think the Tyreek Smith of the four that we talked about. I do think they can use that when they think it's going to play to their advantage. And I think they can switch out with Ceecey and Smith both on the perimeter. I don't really think you can do it as much with Caleb Boone. Boynton's talked about that, but I like it. We have. I don't think we've seen them really defend like that against anybody else. They haven't played a lot of teams with bigs that can really step out and stretch the floor that are similar to Groves. But I I really liked that. Well, what Tyreek Smith gives you, and, and going back to him, there were moments in that first and second half where you've got a Bryce Thompson switching on to a Tanner Groves off a of, off of ball screen, and that's not what you want. Um, you know, you do want Thompson in there. But OU's ex- trying to exploit a mismatch, and what Tyreek Smith at least in that situation where you've got an Elijah Harkless and a Tanner Groves, and then a Musa Cee and a Tyreek Smith, those are your those are your kind of primary defenders in this situation. Now you've got a larger body to switch onto a Tanner Groves. You've got more flexibility at that point of attack. And I think it makes a lot more sense. Um, And again, you're, Dustin, you're right. People will totally question X's and O's when things aren't going well. But I like what I've seen so far. And they caught, they got caught in that situation with Thompson or a Rondell or a likely having to switch on to Tanner Groves. But they did a really good job of mitigating that by switching to zone when they had to. To where OU just couldn't continue to just get in a rhythm and do that. So I, I thought they did a really good job of mixing things up and, and at least keeping OU on their toes because it looked like Groves at the beginning of that game was going to go for 40. Yeah, I completely agree. And then on to Alex's second question wide receiver one. I I think it's Jade Bray. I think oh I like that. I, I think that's that's who I think it ends up being. Maybe at the beginning of the season, it's kind of about so. Our depth chart right now, and I'll put another one out soon. But Caden and I have Bray, Brennan Presley, John Paul, and Blaine Green as our four. If if they were to go ten personnel, our four our four starting wide receivers with Brayden Johnson, Bryson Green, Rashad Owens, Langston Anderson, backing them up with the possibility, you know, of like a Shet Taylor Shetron getting up there. But it's hard to throw a freshman in that too deep when you've got eight guys that all seven guys that. Have all played significant roles in this offense, and then a Langston Anderson, who you know has just been chomping at the bit and had some inj- injury issues. I, I don't know, Kate. Who? I guess. I guess this is his question. Are we answering it like who we think is gonna have the most receiving yards or who we think is gonna have the most targets? Because yeah, I think Bray gets the ball the ball thrown his way a ton. I, I would assume that also, you know. Equal equates into the most receiving yards as well. But I think Bray's the number one target. That's interesting. I, I didn't expect you to say that. And I like it. I I like Brennan Presley. And if we're talking amount of receptions, I think volume Brennan Presley's got to be that, but it just depends on how they decide to leverage Jaden Bray. Is he a Tay Martin? Is that, do they just plug him in exactly like that? Because if so him and and Brennan Presley would have, you know, pretty comparable numbers. I would think both in yards and receptions. If the, if they tweak it a little bit, I, I don't know. I just, what I'm thinking about when I say that is what I saw in Bedlam and against Notre Dame where Brennan Presley, when they had to have it, they went to him and, that, you know, connection between Spencer and Presley is there. So that's why I give Presley a little bit of an edge. But Bray, I mean, oh, shoot, you know my love affair for him. He's fantastic. I could, he, I, he's the next up. I think the only, the only, and I love the Brendan Presley call out. And I, I mean, I think you could be a hundred percent right on that. The only thing with Presley is if they, when they go 11 personnel, I think you're going to see John Paul and Presley switching in point. and out at that inside receiver spot with some, you know, Braden Johnson in the mix as well. Yeah, and Bray's always going to be out there, which could, you know, which could limit limit. Oh, the, it's totally you know, a good point. wide receiver one factor, but it just depends on how we're answering the question, but I, I'm going with Bray. I, I love him. I think he's got all the skills, you know, there was some, you know, disconnect between him and Spencer at times. We, we called it out. We put it, we put some videos out of, on that type of stuff, but I think that gets cleaned up. And I think, he feels comfortable throwing the ball to Jaden Bray. Yep, I agree with you. I, I like it. I could see either of those two. I think it's going to be one of those two guys. I feel really comfortable in that in that assumption, though. Yeah, I agree. Okay, kid, we've got we've got two on Twitter because I already called one out earlier. Okay. And thanks again, everyone, for the voice questions. So we got our buddy uh, Randy D. That's me, my buddy Randall. He said, since taking over OSU basketball, Boynton has gone 35 and 49 in conference. Obviously, he's not on the hot seat with this. With this being a throwaway year, what will it take to, for him to be on the hot seat? And then he, in parentheses, he says, "I love Coach Mike. He's my guy." Just curious, what you guys think? Mm, good question and tough to answer. Um, I think the the public approval for Mike Boynton is so high that it's like it's even it's tough to answer that. I mean, I think. And if you so- land an Anthony Black yeah i mean that that extends your runway by at least two years um you've already got a cade cunningham this is a throwaway year and it's a perfect point dustin uh and anthony black i mean that he's a one-and-done type of guy he's he's mcdonald's all-american and he's going to go to the nba but again just like cade cunningham who does he bring with him who like who in his circle comes to oklahoma state with him um i i I don't think we're anywhere near a conversation like that and it's tough to even go further than that for me well, because I you got to win games but the Big 12 is so tough and this is a throwaway year and I think last year was the example that you should look at rather than looking at his first 3 years where the roster was you know it was it was patchwork it was what he had and it it again there was some looming sanctions He's been recruiting with this over his head for five years. Now he's not. I think things change a little bit. I really do. Let me just throw it. Let me throw a hypothetical at you then to see if this would get us, get us to that hot seat point. So say black goes to Gonzaga and Boynton misses the tournament next year. Is he on the hot seat that next year? It would be close. I think people would start to stir a little bit, but man, I mean, remember how long it took them to, to make a move on Travis Ford. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're, I don't want to talk about Travis Ford. Well, I yes. don't either. I'm just saying <laughs> that, that was a, and and part of that was the contract. I, I don't forget that. Yeah. But, that's sorry. That's the part I don't want to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Then we won't talk about the contract, but my point is Mike Boynton is, is beloved. He, he, you know, and I just don't think that's going to happen. I mean, the big 12 is going to get nine teams in the tournament this year. They, and Oklahoma state's going to be competitive this year. They're going to be competitive next year. I just, I just don't see that. And, and yeah. if, if it does happen, then yeah, I think, I think the seat could get warm, but I still think it would be two to three years out if things yeah. go bad.
0: And no, I don't think I they will.
1: I don't I think they you. will. Uh, and the last kid, okay, the last one we have is from Joe Broback at Joe Broback. He says, did we see Spencer Sanders ceiling or can he take another step? Yeah, this is a good question. I think there's one step to take and it's how to handle a a defense like Baylor's. (laughs) And if you can do that with, with even just taking a sack when you have to take a sack and not turning the ball over uh, that would be the next step to take. I do think we, we saw a lot more, you know, positive things out of him, obviously, but I don't think we've seen his ceiling yet. No, I, and thanks Joe for the question. I agree with you. I think with maybe with his play in some of the games this season, the really, really solid play we saw in some of these games, like in yeah. the, in the second half of Notre Dame game, just for, for like a recent comparison, I think maybe that. Yeah. That is his, his on field play ceiling, but for the whole season that we're talking about ceiling, I completely agree with you. he can he can clean up some of those interceptions, like like in the Baylor games, obviously since that's where he threw most of them. But I definitely think he can clean still continue to clean up some of those turnovers, still continue to work on, you know maybe getting a little bit bigger, getting a little bit stronger, getting a little bit faster. you know, just all, just things that you that any college football player can work on. But I think there is one more step with cleaning up, cleaning up some of those interceptions. But on field play, some of the stuff he did this season. Was elite. I mean, he was first team all big 12 quarterback. And I know some people think he didn't deserve it, but there were times this season where he was elite, an elite college quarterback. And I think that, I think if he could do that, you know, pretty much game in and game out, Oklahoma State has a shot to be really, really good next year. And we don't have to get into that convo, but just to answer the question, I think, I think there's still, I think there's still more. I think they bumped the ceiling up a little bit more, and I think there's still some room. I, I agree with you. One thing that I noticed with him too, even when things did go south, he had a shorter memory of it, at least from the way he played. Like I look even at the Big 12 title game. He threw four picks, but then he came back and took them down the field at the end of that game and I frankly should have won. Uh, you all know my thoughts about that. But, um, I mean, that, that shows a lot of maturity there to me too. That shows development. And if you can clean up the turnovers in the first place, then yeah, things look a lot better. So I, I agree. agree completely with you. It, if you if you guys are subscribed to OsU Max and you haven't watched the oh, so Cowboy good. Film Room with Spencer Sanders, it is amazing. Anyone who anybody who thinks Spencer Sanders doesn't know football or doesn't know how to read defenses go watch this 30-minute breakdown with Deion Amade, and it it will greatly change your perception. It he's really one of the, should. Oh, I'm sorry, Dustin. Go ahead. I'm I sorry. was just going to say, I, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of college players' breakdown film, but the way he – except maybe in, like, the Gruden coaching room and stuff like that before the draft, but he's elite at it. I, I could see him being a coach down the line. The way he – he even explains it, even if you're not a big X's and O's guy – He even does a great job of explaining it to just kind of the, the layman college football fan that doesn't really care about that stuff. I think would still enjoy this. No doubt about it. And he is, he's quick with it. And it really should be a prerequisite. Like you have to watch that. If you now have a loud opinion about Spencer Sanders, you need to go watch that, and then the next time you think about tweeting, like you, you should, you should have to watch that before you do it, uh, because again, like you said, he's he's a he's very smart and very intelligent when it comes to that stuff. I mean, him breaking down the option play uh, in Bedlam was was pretty sweet. Yeah, it's was fun stuff to watch, but but yeah, sorry, kid, didn't take it off on a tangent. No, that, I love that's all it. all I had, I love it, man. That's it. That's what we've got. Uh, we always say we're going to do like 45 minutes to an hour. Like we get on here and it's like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. And then, and then it's not, we just have a blast talking with you guys. <laughs> I have a blast talking with uh, you Justin, every week. It's great. Oh, same here, man. I, and I appreciate it. The, I was going to say next week, uh, Cade will be out of town. He's got some stuff to tend to work trip. So yeah, um, my, my, my real job. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be on with Adam Lunt next week talking Mason talking some of the new signees talking a lot of football stuff. And I'll, I'll, I'll do some quick recaps of basketball and any other news by myself, which will be weird. I haven't done that before, but if you got any questions for Lunt, I'll send out a tweet next week, fire those off. Um, If you, you know, want to make fun of him, anything like that, that's always encouraged. Definitely do that. So, so yeah, we appreciate him coming on. So we'll miss Cade next week, but we, we should have a fun show with Lon on as well. So. Yeah, you might miss me. I think our listeners could probably use a break, No, It'll be <laughs> no, great. No, no, Lunt's, you, I mean, the podcast is like, in terms of, in terms of knowledge, next week's really going to take a bump up. So uh, <laughs> that's going to be, it's going to be great, and I'm going to totally lose my job, and that's going to be great. But no, no, no. I'll, I'll miss you guys. It's going to be a great show, um, but I'm looking forward to the week after where we're. I mean, we got a lot to talk about. So, um, Dustin, appreciate the time, man. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see all of our listeners uh, sending in voice questions, Twitter questions. I love that. appreciate you guys uh, tremendously. Uh, and if you're not, keep it locked into our Twitter channel, at Like 45 pod Follow me, at Cade Webb, and follow Dustin, at DustRagu. We're doing everything we can to bring you the best free breakdown of Oklahoma State sports on the internet. We're doing our best to do that. So keep it locked with us. We'll talk to you next week. Go Pokes.